Merry Christmas, everybody. I am so glad you're here today. You ever see something new in your house and go, who put that there? This happened to a Wisconsin couple recently when their son Kevin started going through the house, replacing one picture at a time with a picture of the actor Steve Buscemi. And he did this every day. He wanted to see how long it would take his family to notice. Kevin's sister said, Dad noticed on day two. Mom didn't notice till day five. Wait, when did Steve Buscemi become part of our family? Of course, the internet declared Kevin a genius. I, too, think this is a great idea, and I can't wait to hear what you do with this. Loop me in after you do this at your house and tell me how that went for you. Maybe you've never had a family member suddenly stash Steve Buscemi in your house, but I guarantee you, you've missed some things, haven't you? Is there a time when you just go, wow, when did that happen? How, how did I miss that? Why didn't you tell me this was going to take place? Or you just go, that just completely blew by me. I wish I'd been paying closer attention because I really wanted to be a part of that. It's just so easy to do. I think as a dad myself, I've done this a lot. And maybe if you're a parent, you can relate to this. You blink, and your kid is bigger, older. They're doing something they weren't doing just a moment ago. And like, when did that happen? And how much more am I missing of my kid's life? I really ought to be paying more attention. This year has been an amazing year for connection. We've had some babies born this year, right? Some of you are here today with the babies. And that's always a time where you start going, I just don't want to miss any of this. So I take it all in. In fact, we just had another baby born Friday. Uh, Mark and Stephanie Kleins had their baby, Matthew Edward, I believe it is, so... Yeah, you guys are just doing amazing. As I was telling Kirsten at first service, we gotta we gotta pick up the pace here. I've only got two kids, so maybe you all need to as well. But as a parent, you just kind of go, I just I really don't want to miss this. There's just so much. I want to soak it all in, and they're never gonna be this age again. So I just want to be there for that. And maybe as a student, you're going, I'm never gonna be in high school again, and I don't ever want to remember this ever again. <laughs> I can blink and just miss it, and that'd be fine with me. I think for here at Connection, it's all the great things that are happening, and so many of you have been here for it, and you've been a part of it. Some of you are coming in, and you're coming in at a great time, and I just have to stop and pinch myself and go, this is real. <laughs> We're not in a movie theater anymore, or I have to pinch myself and go, wow, we just met so many neat people this year, and some of you are those people. At the same time, I have to stop and say, Brian, don't miss this. Remember this. I will literally type notes into my phone on Google Calendar, and I'll hit them to repeat once a year, because I just want to remember this stuff. And I don't want to get so focused, and maybe you say the same thing, I don't want to get so focused on what God's doing through me that I miss what God's doing in me and what God's trying to get my attention with and saying, hey, you know what? There's some things we need to work on. There's some things I want you to notice. I did this for you. Did you notice that? So it's, it's just so easy to miss things. And uh, in the moment, it just is gone in a blur. And Christmas is one of those times where it just accelerates that, right? I think it was... Um, Maybe it was Bill Hybels I first heard this. He said, the holidays amplify everything. If you're having a great year, Christmas just makes it better. If you're having an awful year, you know what it is. It's just like, okay, everybody else is happy and I'm not. And I'm sure you've noticed that, that Christmas also speeds everything up and it's just so easy to miss things just because of the pace of the holidays. Will Mancini points out that you can often get to the end of Christmas and feel as empty as your neighbor's inflatable Santa Claus. And there's many reasons for that. He points out, you've got less time to get more done. You've got increased expenses and at the same time, financial pressure. There are those awkward family gatherings at Cousin Eddie's house, or I guess Cousin Eddie's RV. Um, you gotta get just that just right gift and there's that pressure. I just wait till Christmas Eve. I let the pressure of knowing it's right then just drive me to the right gifts at Walgreens for my wife. That's just <laughs> ideal, but you just do what works for you. Um, but, you know, at holidays, there's always those reminders of painful losses as you think about who's not with us this year. 
And it just, it hits you. How often, just be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but just how often have you got to the end of the Christmas season and gone, what just happened? I saw a lot of people. There's a lot of wrapping paper everywhere. That credit card statement, I don't even want to think about it. There's food everywhere on the counters. But, but what really happened? I mean, something happened, but I think I missed it. I want to help us with that this morning. I'm glad you're here. We're going to go through the Bible. You know, you just, you look and you go, I don't want to miss it. We just want to pay attention. You don't want to get to the end of it and go, how, how is Steve Buscemi here? You know, so let, let me point us to this. This is a Bible. And let's go back to the very first, the original Christmas story, the reason that this all is here. And uh, let's go back to the first Christmas and let it get us focused on the right things. And just for a moment to pause and say, God, what are you trying to say to me this morning? Because I don't want to miss it. Now, to help us with that, as we look at the true story of Jesus, I want to use this. And let me tell you about this. If you've been here any time, you know, it's not in your Bible. This is my Bible. This is the one that I got when I became a Christian. I was baptized. This is my childhood Bible. And uh, I actually have preached out of this before. When I was in high school, there was a preaching contest. My sermon was one minute long. I read that outline and nearly passed out, and I was done. And so this is the time I preach for real, and you all are going, a minute? Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> you go to sleep, you could say it felt like a minute. There you go. So this is the reason I don't preach out of this. For one thing, it's a great Bible, but it's, it's not really written in current English. It's the New American Standard, which is great for studying, but nobody talks this way. And so you'll get that really quick in our first verse for today. We're going to be in Isaiah 7.14 to start. Just going to go back to where the, pretty much kind of where the story starts. If you don't have a Bible here that you can look in, you can also read this on the screen. Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah wrote, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. That's the start of the Christmas story. And I told you that it's not normal English, right? Like, case in point, who says behold anymore? Unless you're at Shakespeare in the park, we're not going around saying, but I would like to start a campaign now that we start using the behold word again, because it's a great word. Let's bring it back into the English vernacular. It's back in the day when you wanted to get somebody's attention and say, hey, pay attention, look here. What's, you do say, behold. Like, come on. Behold my new outfit. Huh, what do you think? Yeah. Behold, we're leaving in five minutes, and if you're not in the car, yea, verily, I shall leave thee. Even, <laughs> I, I like behold. It was like your way of saying, hey, heads up. Li Linda, honey, listen. You, you know that one, right? Linda, if you don't, let me just give you a little taste of this three-year-old. Linda, listen, 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 you. listen, That's awesome. I can watch that all day. So the idea of behold, though, is pay attention. And when you see it in the Bible, maybe you ought to just autocorrect. Anytime you see it in the Bible, behold, you just got to go, Linda, honey, listen. They really want you to pay attention. And Isaiah, he's, he's talking about some important things here. And so who is Isaiah and what does this have to do with the Christmas story? You might kind of know if you know a little bit about the Christmas story, but he says there's going to be a sign, there's going to be a virgin who will conceive and give birth. Now, Isaiah was 700 years before Jesus was born. He's a prophet of God. He would see the future and tell people about what God's message was. If you read more of chapter 7 of Isaiah, though, you get the idea. He's actually talking to people then, and he's telling them, this time next year, there's going to be a baby. There was going to be a lady who's a virgin. She's going to conceive and have a baby. But then he also sees something in the distant future. He sees two people. There's a sign for you now, and there's a sign in the future. And as you're listening to this, you go, like, the virgin can see you. I didn't pay great attention in biology class, but... I mean, I know a couple of things. I know the Cubs don't win World Series and virgins don't have babies. 
And you go, well, they, they did. And we'll say, okay, so it happens once in all of history. But this is why it's a sign. It's a miracle. There is divine intervention going on here. There's, you know, a lady who's never, you know, done the things that are required to have a pregnancy is going to have a baby. It's a sign for you. Pay attention. Behold. Now, if you go forward 700 years, we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, and we find out how this worked out. And this is in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, you go, what, sixth month of what? This is the sixth month of another woman's pregnancy. Her name is uh, Elizabeth. And in her sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And you can go on down to verse 30, and this is what the angel said to her. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he's going to be great, and we call the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And then we can go on. It's not on the screen, but Mary asks the obvious question, how is this going to happen? Because I did pay attention in biology class, and I have been faithful to my fiancé, What's going on here? And the angel says to her, it's okay. This is going to be a powerful work of God. God is going to create life within you in the same way that he created the universe. And this baby is going to be special. This is going to be the son of God. And you have the privilege of bearing him. Now, so she's like, okay, that's great. Except how does one go about telling one's fiance that you're pregnant and, and, and not have him freak out? Well, how did that conversation go between Mary and Joseph? About as well as you'd expect it to. If we go back over to the Gospel of Matthew, you find that account. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that means engaged, before they came together, and they're not married yet, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a religious man and not wanting to disgrace her, he's a righteous man, he desired to put her away secretly. We're going to call the whole thing off. But when he had considered this, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's telling you the truth. What's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it's he who will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place that what was spoken by the, by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't know at what point Joseph and Mary started getting goosebumps, but they had to have had a moment where they go, let's connect the dots here. They grew up in church. They grew up going to synagogue. They were good Jewish people. They were righteous people. They'd heard the scroll of Isaiah read. They'd heard Isaiah 7:14 read in church. They started realizing, oh my gosh, Isaiah was talking about me. This is us. We're in the Bible. This is the place that he was talking about 700 years ago. Three years ago, my family got to knock something off of our bucket list. We got to go to Zion National Park in Utah. Anybody been there? Beautiful place. This is a place called the Zion Narrows. I have seen pictures of the Zion Narrows my entire life. I've always wanted to go there. The cliffs go up over 1,000 feet. The river runs right down the middle. You can hike forever. Beautiful. I've always imagined being there. In 2015, we got to go, my family, and I got to stand in those spots. And I'm looking around going, I've been here before in the pictures and in my imagination. And the reality is so much better. This must be the place. And Joseph and Mary are saying the same thing. This is the place. And the reality is so much better than I could have ever imagined. Behold, 
as Isaiah said, God is on his way to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Don't miss this. Okay, so just picture it now. A few months go by. Mary is getting bigger. The rumors and gossip are getting bigger. You know how small towns are. You know how people talk. Not sure how many people actually bought the story of this is really something that God is doing. How many people questioned Joseph and Mary's morals? How many people just questioned Mary's morals and wondered why a good guy like Joseph was putting up with that? Jesus was 30 years old and people were still talking about, well, we know who your mom is. We're not sure who your dad is. So as the rumors swirl, listen to what happened next. This is out of, again, uh, the Gospel of Luke. We're back in chapter 2 this time, though. So it says, Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. earth we're going to count everybody, and we're going to tax them while we're at it. So you go down to verse uh, 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, down to Judea in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I look at that and just don't miss this. Don't miss what's happening here. It's easy to look at the Bible and just think once upon a time and miss that these are real people. This is a true story. Put yourself in their place for a second. For some of you, your parents, you can. Some of you, you can imagine what it would be like for your own parents to be in this scenario. They're hundreds of miles from home. They don't really know anybody. They're young kids. There's nowhere to stay. She's pregnant. Oh my gosh, she's going into labor. And not only is there the pressure of parenting saying, I've got to, I'm responsible for this life, you know it's God's son. So there's that double layer. You don't mess this up when it's God's son. There's an added layer of expectation. And it's it's messy, and it's honest. And as you look at that, do you feel like this is kind of like my life? It's messy. It's real. There's things that don't go like they're supposed to, and this is exactly the thing that God was born into, which is exactly where you would expect to find God. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know if this has been a great year or if you just can't wait for 2018 to be done and just clear the books and start over. I do know this. God came here to be with us. That's literally what Emmanuel means, God with us. He literally became one of us. He left heaven, became a human being, emptied himself of all of the things that he had to become one of us, and he's born in a barn. Literally, born in a barn. I don't know how you can get closer to us than that. There was no three levels of security. There was no TSA checkpoint with a guy with gloves. There's no pat down. And it's, You literally, if you wanted to go see baby Jesus, could just walk in the barn and there they are. God is right here with us. If you think of God, and your picture of God is that he is unapproachable, and that he is distant, and he doesn't have time for you, and he, you know, he just better things to do, this ought to change your mind about what God is like. God is gentle. God is humble. God is approachable. He's kind. He's not too good to get down in your real life with you. And you think, well, my life's pretty messed up. He already knew that. He came here anyway. And I know that Jesus, baby Jesus, I don't know how you picture him. Like, I don't know if you think of him as like still running the universe while he was a baby. That wasn't, he was literally a baby, didn't know anything, but just it's time to eat. But if he did, and if he could have talked, he would have said, Mom, Dad, don't sweat it. This is fine. I'm okay. It's all right. Because not only is God on his way, man, he's here. Reach out to him. 
Well, this goes on that night. This is awesome. Verse 8. Uh, and in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields. They were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. This is how you know what you're, you found what you're looking for. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the, shepherds had, or the angels had gone away, the shepherds went to Bethlehem. They found it like it was. They went out and told everybody about this. And I'm just looking at this going, this is awesome. It's also, once again, an angel fulfilling my worst nightmare. I go backpacking a lot. And sometimes I go and I spend the night by myself in the middle of the woods alone. Can you imagine how it would have felt to the shepherds to be out in the fields? It's a normal day till an angel shows up. I generally spend about half the night when I'm out in the woods by myself just assuming that I'm going to die. That there's going to be some pickaxe-wielding, overall-wearing dude named Bubba, and that's going to be it for me. So these angels, they just show up, and the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. I'm like, quit showing up where you're not supposed to be, and I won't be afraid. Just like knock or say, hey, I'm coming or something. But they've got good news, so it's okay. Your Savior is here, and he's like, he's your Savior. He's going to save you, and he's going to give you peace. And I'm telling you what the angels are trying to get across to the shepherds in the field and through them to us is that if you will pay attention to this, your life will never be the same again. Man, some of you are just dealing with anxiety, and your gut is just a constant acid bath. And you worry, you, like, like me, I got a PhD in worrying, so I'm right there with you. But you just don't need to. He's come to bring us peace. And you're hanging on to things, and you feel like, I just don't know what to do with this. He came here to save us. He came, and like, he's your, here's your Savior. Everything is wrong with this world, he's here to fix it. Everything is wrong with you, he's here to fix it. Everything is wrong with your relationships that you think you can't work out, he's here to fix that too, because he's here to save you. 30 years after that night, we just know it was 30 years later, John the Baptist is in the Jordan River baptizing people in the middle of the wilderness and Jesus, who's also 30 years old, comes out to John to be baptized. And this is John 1.29. Listen to this. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's there. He'll take away everybody's sins if you let him. I don't know if it's pride. I think it is. And it's not a male or female thing. We all just do this. We want to fix things ourselves. I don't know if it's embarrassment, like I don't want to reveal to anybody that I don't have this all figured out, but there's just something about us that goes, I'll work it out myself, and even though I'm making a huge mess of it, eventually I'll get this worked out. And there's even a part of us that even goes, I don't deserve to ask God for help because it's my mess I should figure out, which is just another form of pride, you know, like you should be able to fix this. Let me just tell you something, and I love you all. You can't do open-heart surgery on yourself, and you can't save yourself from your sins I have this conversation a lot. People find out I'm a pastor, and they suddenly want to tell me how good they are. And I'm okay with that, because I totally agree. You're an awesome person. But then the conversation goes, I'm a good person. I do good things, so therefore that's going to be good enough for God. And he's going to let me in. I'm like, well, I totally agree that you're a good person, but that's not going to work out real well for you the way I understand what God's trying to tell us. You can do all the good things in the world. It, it doesn't make up for the things you've broken in yourself or in other people, in your relationships. 
And God doesn't expect you to. He doesn't want you to. He's totally saying, I got this. If you'll ask me for help, I'm, more, I'm not like judging you. I'm here to help you. Just ask me for help. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let fear get in the way. Don't let shame get in the way. Don't let any of that keep you. Don't let pride tell you, oh, I, can, I really think I'm the one who can do this. No, you can't. You can't do enough good things. You can't go to church enough times. You can't give enough money to make up for it. But Jesus is willing to do it for you. Last Christmas, a guy named Steve Dane took his little daughter, Taylor, to see Santa Claus at the Bass Pro Shop in their town in Oklahoma. And like any good dad, he whipped his phone out. He's going to record it. He just assumes Taylor's going to do what every other kid does, get on Santa's lap and ask for some toys. He's going to record it for everybody, and he's going to listen to what she wants. She didn't do that. She started to cry when she got on Santa's lap, and she told Santa all she wanted for Christmas was for her cousin Ashley to be healed from leukemia. And, and uh, well, we, I don't have a picture of it. I can't show it to you, but I have a video. But here's what happened. Like, there are hundreds of people in line waiting to see Santa. You can imagine that. All these kids waiting to ask Santa. But Santa stopped, and he said to her, Honey, there's some things even Santa can't do. But I know somebody who can. And then he did this right in the middle of Bass Pro. is a horrible disease, but I also know that you are the great physician, and you can heal. And now I just pray right now that you will begin the healing process on Ashley. In Jesus' name, we pray. Isn't that great? Even Santa Claus knows his limitations. Some things I can't do, but Jesus can. And you ought to turn to him. And I'm telling you, Connection, you ought to turn to him. And you could do that today. You can go into Christmas on Tuesday with a fresh start. You can go into 2019 with a fresh start. You can go into that with your sins forgiven and your life healed and your relationships in a new direction, maybe not completely fixed. I'm t- as some of you, you literally need to do this. You have never submitted your life to Jesus, and you could do that today. We're always ready for people who say yes to Jesus. Go get immersed in the water. You can write your name on the wall along with all the other Connection Christians who have done this, who've said yes to Jesus. I need your help. Be my Savior. But some of you go like, I already did that. But man, let me just ask you, just be honest. How many things are you still holding on to trying to fix yourself instead of just releasing it to God, asking for help in prayer, saying, Jesus, I can't do this. I need some help. I need to be honest with you and maybe with some other people. You know, the addiction is too strong. The finances, I just don't have a way out of it. This relationship mess, I just don't know what to do with all this. Trust me, what you don't think is solvable, God's like, I got this. You're never gonna stump him. You're never gonna tell God, here's what I'm dealing with, and go, Boy, that is a doozy. I just don't know what to do with that. Never going to happen. Jesus is a king of kings, lord of lords. He's got it figured out. I guess the big question for you is, are you paying attention to what God's trying to say to you this morning? He won't barge into your life, but he definitely will try to get your attention. And he will reach out to you and invite you. Jan Richardson writes this about Christmas. I want us to just take this away with ourselves Christmas Advent and Christmas means there's something on the horizon the likes of which we've never seen before. What's possible is to miss it, to just turn as it brushes past you, and then you begin to grasp what it is you missed. So here's her advice. Stay, sit, linger, tarry, ponder, wait, behold, wonder. There'll be time enough for running, for rushing, for worrying, for pushing, for now, just stay, wait. Something's on the horizon. Connection, honey, listen. 
Don't miss this. Don't miss what God's wanting to do in you and through you. Uh, you think, well, I got things to do. Let's start with the first things and make the first things the most important. Don't let pain in your life blind you to what God's trying to do within you. Don't let pressure or depression or bad finances or stress or worry or anxiety, family issues, work issues, people issues, don't let any of that obscure it. And I will also encourage you with this. This has been a good year for you. Don't let the good blessings that God's brought in your life also blind you to what he's trying to say to you and go so fixated on the things that you miss the one who gave you the good things. Don't let that happen. Turn to him. Behold, we have a Savior. It's up to you to reach out. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you. First of all, we just need to be gracious and grateful to you. You've done so many good things for us. And this Christmas is a good time for us to just, first of all, acknowledge that. It's also a time where we want to stand before you very humbly and say, we just can't figure some of this stuff out on our own, and we need your help. And you've been trying to get our attention and say, hey, pay attention. Look, I am reaching out to you. So, Father, help us to just take that from you, to accept that love that you have for us that started before we ever even started this life on earth. Will you just help us to be humble enough to reach out and ask for that help? Will you continue to do the things that I've seen you doing in so many people's lives? Will you make, maybe even today, the start of something new and fresh in someone's life? I ask that you would just help us to walk out of here feeling like we have genuinely experienced your presence and that we know what to do and we have the courage to do it. I love you, Father. I love what you're doing in my family and in this church. And we give you glory for that in Jesus' name.